Hello and welcome. This is Nick's Nerd News, live from sunny San Diego, California. And now we go to your host, Nick. Well, well, well. Welcome back to another episode of Nick's Nerd News. I am your host, Nick, and let's get today's news started. Going to be a little light on the news today, and and we're going to actually focus on my biggest passion in in the the world of of nerd culture, and that's Star Wars. Especially after watching Solo this weekend, things like that. But let's but let's dive into the other news first. Of course, we had the Flash's season finale season finale this week. Little underwhelming, little underwhelming, to say the least. Uh, the battle with the Thinker was pretty cool. I'm I'm glad. Minor spoilers follow. Of course, it, it's been a week. Show's over. Shows are different than movies, I always say. But, you know, I'm happy they brought Ralph back. I, I, I am, I'm I'm happy to have elongated man back for another season. But w- what's interesting, it's kind of like how Arrow left off. You know, the thinker's not really dead because it seems he transferred his consciousness into his chair. Granted, his now ex-wife destroyed the chair. Knowing the thinker, he probably planned ahead for that and probably put his consciousness on a backup somewhere so I'm, I'm sure he'll come back down the line in the future and I like that they're they're not killing off the villain per se because in the comics they don't kill him off you don't lose them they don't they don't die they go to prison or something they come back later so I'm happy they're doing that with with both Arrow and and the Flash some other shows had their season finales not really ones that I watch I, I know they were there uh, we got some renewals and, and things like that, and, and unfortunately, Lucifer has not been picked up to go back to another network, which really sucks because it was it ended on the cliffhanger. I, I know we're getting two, there were two episodes this week that, that, that were filmed, and they're airing because they were going to be pushed to a season four, but just not going to be the same. Uh, another TV news, you know, uh, we did get a first look at Matt, Matt Groening's new show. He's the creator of The Simpsons, so if, if you don't understand that name, you'll... you'll you understand he created the Simpsons on Futurama. Never really been a big fan of the Simpsons, but I love Futurama. It's one of my favorite shows. And his new show seems to be a riff on on fantasy with some some good people in it. He he released some images going to be on Netflix, so that that looks exciting. And we'll see what happens in the fall with some different things and Krypton got renewed for a second season. I I uh, kind of fell off that, but the few episodes I did watch were were amazing. That show looks really cool. It's separate from the the normal CW shows and it's separate from the movies and things like that so that that's exciting and I mean that that's really all I have to say about TV for now it's it's the summertime officially on on the networks and things will get renewed things will get announced in the upcoming weeks so kind of light uh as for movies unfortunately the new Godzilla got delayed I really enjoyed the most recent Godzilla 2014 I, I haven't seen the new Japanese one Shin Godzilla from I think 2016 didn't look appealing. I know a lot of people say, oh, it's the best one. I'm like, mm. I like the original ones, and I felt that Gareth Edwards' 2014 movie was closer to the originals than, than the Shin Godzilla did to me. Granted, I, I, I have watched some, some videos online recently showing all the callbacks and the newest Godzilla, Shin Godzilla, to all the original Japanese ones, but I, it just didn't really do anything for me. I, I guess I'll get around to it eventually, but not something that I, I, that I was interested in. 
like I said, the Gareth Edwards one is is something I I really fell in love with almost amazingly. Um, I've seen some articles going around with it being the 20th anniversary of of the original or of the the 1998 Godzilla, the first American Godzilla movie about things and and just you know I liked that movie as a kid and as I got older I would rewatch it. I'm like this movie's terrible. Almost has nothing to do the original Godzilla movies from Toho and, and Japan, things like that. And it's just, it's weird. I don't, I don't know. But uh, unfortunately, uh, luckily it was only, the new one was only delayed a couple weeks, uh, maybe two months. And what I'm excited about with, with that one, it's Godzilla King of the Monsters. Instead of finding, fighting new creations like he did in, in 2014, he'll be fighting original Godzilla villains, which were kind of hinted at in Kong Skull Island. So... You have Rodan, Mothra, King Ghidorah, so I'm, I'm very excited for that, and hopefully we'll get a trailer at Comic-Con in the next couple months, and, and some other things will come out of that, but but can't wait for that, because I know Kong vs. Godzilla vs. King Kong, or Kong vs. Zilla, how, whatever they end up calling it, it's supposed to come out a couple years after that, so we'll finally get a remake of, of the movie from back in the day, and uh, what was a really cool King Kong movie, kind of blend all those together, so, so we'll see, and... I don't know. I'm really excited about that. A couple of my friends weren't too jazzed on that Godzilla because they felt they were lied to about Brian Cranston and, oh, Godzilla doesn't show up till the end of the movie. I'm like, well, obviously you've never watched a Godzilla movie because if your only frame of reference is the 98 film with Matthew Broderick, then, then you don't really have a frame of reference for Godzilla movies because he, not all of them is he in it the whole movie. But, but you know, that that's neither here nor there. Now, let, let me, let me, Dial it back a second, go back to TV, forgot to mention, kind of ties in with movies, but the Watchmen adaptation for HBO being written and created by Damon Lindelof, who's done a lot of other famous TV shows, some more news came out, cast got announced, kind of what what they're going to do, and, you know, the Watchmen movie from 2009 is one of my favorite movies. There's, there's a way that Zack Snyder can put panel on screen that that some other directors just can't do. It's, it's amazing what he can do. And when they announced the Watchmen show on HBO, me, like many other fans, were kind of cautious, trepidatious about it because hopefully it's not going to be bad. Um, most people view the Watchmen movie as bad. I don't think so. I think it's a work of art. But, you know, with, with Alan Moore and his hatred of, of everything, of his work being turned into a movie or TV show or things like that, then on the other hand, you have David Gibbons, who worked with Zack Snyder and, and likes the movie. Damon Lindelof is, is, was quoted saying, saw it in multiple outlets this week, that the graphic novel is their Old Testament, so they're not really going to be adapting that, but it's more of a sequel. So, I you know, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm still going to be cautious. I'm going to kind of be wary of it, because, again, it, it's one of the greatest graphic novels of all time, and... When you create a sequel, direct act, direct adaptations are, are a little easier, but when you create a sequel, you have to make sure that you don't want to sour the memory in fans' minds. You you want to have a Empire Strikes Back moment and not a Godfather 3, because Empire Strikes Back is considered the greatest sequel of all time, Godfather 2 as well, you know what I mean? Sticking with the Godfather references. But then Godfather 3, it's just like, some people don't even realize that that's a thing. 
people don't even count it sometimes it you, you got it when, you, when you're making a sequel especially if it's going to be a series you have to be careful you want to make sure you have the right tone and it fits and luckily with the cast i think with regina king being being the lead i, I think will be okay damon lindelof knows how to make strange and fantastical stories so i'm, I'm okay with this but uh that that was just an aside that i wanted to get to before i forgot but you know the summer's here it's fucking summer blockbuster time okay so let, let's talk about some movies I'm excited for. This week we have the new Johnny Knoxville movie coming out, which I don't know how that guy's still fucking kicking, man. That dude is taking more shots to the nuts and and hits to the head than, than like football players. And he's still kicking. And like, he's getting older, so that shit has to hurt even more now. Shit's hilarious, don't get me wrong. He's a human, like, wrecking ball, but... I, I really don't know. He must be, and he's not addicted to painkillers. I, I don't know how he how, I don't know how he gets up in the morning. Like I, it's 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 amazing that man what he's endured and how he's still just walking around. I'm sure he'll be in a wheelchair by the time he's like 60 though. That shit's gonna catch up real quick. You know, there's that. Then this other movie that kind of came out of nowhere, which is Hotel Artemis, which looks bad fucking ass. You got Dave Bautista, Jodie Foster, which totally unexpected, and then Jeff Goldblum. Like what? Sign me up now. Take my money now, please. And then we have Jurassic World after that. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which I am a huge Jurassic World fan uh, and Jurassic World in general. Uh, Jurassic Park, I should say. Sorry. And it it's something that I've always loved. And I, I probably own more Jurassic Park-related games than, than mo- most people would care to. But what I'm excited for is the new Park Sim that, that's coming out. Jurassic World can't think of the name right now but it's a new new park building rts sim that's coming out in next month i'm pretty sure so i'm stoked for that and then we have uh what was it i saw the trailer for the happy time murders an adult muppet movie which looks fucking hilarious oh man that looks that looks like jolly good fun man i like melissa mccarthy she's hilarious she's like she does like that slapstick humor but also physical humor which you don't get a lot of nowadays because you know you don't want kids to like reenact certain scenes and things but whatever it's gonna be funny i i think it's gonna be funny i i uh the muppets are something i i grew up with on tv uh, granted the later series uh, uh muppet movies great i really like muppets in manhattan i used to watch that all the time as a kid because it was always on tv things like that but um, i'm happy that jim henson's son is directing it so it's it's good that it stays in the family i am it's probably not related to disney in any way because i know they own the muppets but but still you know we have oceans eight coming in a couple weeks which uh, I, I do like the original ones. George Clooney is one of my favorite actors. So the, the, the sad part is, though, that, you know, even without the movie coming out, you can kind of infer what's going to happen in that movie from the trailers just by basing it off generic knowledge of the Oceans movies because, unfortunately, they all kind of follow the same path, even though they're a little they're all a little different. But still, it, it, it makes me think that I, th- I think Anne Hathaway, I think Anne Hathaway is going to be the, the twist I guess you could say. I mean, it's it's almost a given at this point with those movies. The documentary about Mr. Rogers is coming out, and you know, it didn't tug at my heartstrings like it it might have at other people. But I grew up watching Mr. Rogers just as anyone else did. By then, it was reruns. Obviously, it was the '90s. You know, I had a "You Are Special" T-shirt when I was a little kid with him on it, and and I'm excited to see this because again, this man was one of the 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 greatest things to happen to children's entertainment, okay? He changed the lives of millions of kids, probably. And, and that's a good thing. This man was a, was a, was an angel, okay? I, 
you know, I don't particularly believe in that kind of stuff, but but that if 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 God was real and angels existed, Fred Rogers what was that person, okay? And then we also have oh hey, Incredibles 2 coming out in a couple of weeks. The first Incredibles is exactly how you'd expect Disney and Pixar to make a superhero movie. And man oh man, should be exciting. I it looks like they're gonna pick off right from where the first one left off with the underminer at the end, the uh, the mole person. Uh, I like how they're bringing Frozone's sassy wife back. So we'll we'll see. We'll talk about that afterwards. Another comedy I'm excited for is Tag. Uh, you know, it's got John Hamm and Jeremy Renner, Hannibal Burris. It's got uh, Ed Helms, I think, and then the guy from New Girl, um, Jake Johnson. That movie looks really funny. Okay, I'm sure a lot of people will write it off. It's a comedy, but a lot of comedies have been really good lately, especially rated R ones. You know, with Game Night, which actually turned out to be really good, and Blockers. Loved both of those movies. Totally unexpectedly funny. And no, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I, I think uh, also Sicario, the Sicario 2, I don't know what they're going to call it, but, but that's coming out. Did not see that movie in theaters originally, the first one. But I, I ended up watching it later with friends. It was on... Amazon or or Netflix or something that movie was fucking amazing okay and with Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro like that that's how an action movie should be made okay a modern action movie with suspense and and relating to real world situations like that with the cartels and stuff fucking brilliant okay brilliant again kind of light on movie news this week uh, granted we are going to talk about Solo but that's towards the end of the episode also got Loot Crate this week Unfortunately, I did not get my loot wearables and loot tea yet, so we'll talk about that next week. But this month's theme uh, seems to be role models, and it comes with a awesome Deadpool shirt where he's kind of like bursting out of a taco. And let me let me look at this here. He's saying Pico Boo, you know, like Pico de Gallo, and it it says Taco Supreme on it, and. I, I might go see Deadpool 2 again this weekend, so it's going to be a perfect shirt for that. Uh, it comes with a classic Archer figure. Um, you know, I've never really been to the Archer into the Archer series. I do like H. John, H. John Benjamin, who voices the character, though. Um, but that's cool. I, I, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give that out to a friend or something. It comes with a wallet for from Arrested Development. It's a Arrested Development banana stand wallet. It's a blue Velcro wallet with the banana on it. It also comes with an exclusive... Punisher decal, so it's got the Punisher logo for a decal you can put on a car, things like that. Came with two Deadpool 2 mini posters, and it's kind of with him recreating the scene from Flashdance, but instead of it being water, it's it's bullets being being poured over him, essentially. But what I think is the coolest thing in this month's box is the pin. And if you're unaware, I, I think I mentioned this with the, with the Halo Crate too, but Loot Crate comes with a pin every month, and it kind of unlocks special stuff. They've kind of done it now. It comes with a comic every month, a digital comic for Comixology. But the original pins were like old-style buttons. You know, they, the, the part that you stick through your material would like kind of hook underneath something. But the new ones are like that other-style pin with the, the... You pinch it, and it puts it over the spike. I, I, I don't know what you call it. I, I'm not a pin guy. I mean, I technically am, but, you know, everyone's got something different. I know Disney's got the rubber you put on. These Loot Crate has the other style with the, the pinch. But this month's, uh, since they rebranded the, the pins, they've been, like, designer pins, and they, they look fucking cool. And depending on the, the, the theme, it will be a... Sometimes the pin will be, like, an actual character. Like, there was a Bob's Burgers. There was 
Aang from The Last Airbender and a Predator and the Dragon from How to Train Your Dragon. But this month's is fucking The Dude, man, from Big Lebowski. And it's kind of two-tone. It's got his long, shaggy hair, his goatee. And the reason I like this the most from this month is The Big Lebowski changed my life when I saw it. I, I was in high school, in later in high school, and just everything about the dude's demeanor and his outlook on life kind of kind of changed things for me. And and now I would definitely say it's in my top five all time. And the Coen brothers make some great movies, but god damn, dude, the the dude, man. It's just that movie, it's it's hard to explain. But his just his whole outlook on life. Just not caring, not giving a damn, man, and just going with the flow. It, it's kind of how I live my life. That's, you know, I kind of tell you that at the end of the every episode. Like, who gives a shit what people think, man? Just just do your own thing. The dude abides. I abide. You go abide, man. You go abide, all right? But but let, let's kind of talk about a little bit about, about video games before we get into the bulk of today's talk, and which is Star Wars. But uh, So I finished God of War, and that game's fucking amazing. Okay, and look, I, I know I'm, I'm a mostly an Xbox guy, and I've said before I have both systems because I don't, I don't want to get into that fanboy world anymore, but Sony has put out two of the best single-player games the last two years and completely knocked it out of the park. I, like, I, I don't know how. Okay, Horizon Zero Dawn was one of my favorite games last year, and, and God of War, I know it's only May, year's not over yet, but if, if the year were to end now, I think God of War would be my game of the year. Hands down. No joke. Like, no joke. Game of the year. Okay. Those 10s and 9s and and high 8s that it's getting are no, 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 nothing that would be, like, paid off or anything like that. That is, that is a legitimate score coming from all those outlets because, oh my god, that story and and the things that happen towards the end of the game are so good. Okay. So fucking good. Uh, you know, I, I posted pictures on, on my Instagram and Twitter of my post-game Kratos. And, oh my god. Okay. This this is unreal. And it sets up more in the Norse mythology for, for a possible sequel. It, it sold an unreal amount of games. I think I saw on IGN 5 million copies in its first month. That's insane. Insane for a single-party game or a single-platform game. That's nuts. Even with... In, so, PlayStation 4's huge install base. That That's a huge amount of sales for one game that probably not everyone's going to play her have interest in. And, oh shit, dude. And, like, you think that Kratos is this, like, unloving, somewhat absentee father, but no, that's that's not it at all, okay? And if you if you don't have the ability to play the game or, or anything like that, I, I would definitely recommend watching, if you can, like, I know they do the like whole game is a movie on YouTube where they play all the cutscenes and stuff, but I would highly recommend checking that out if you can because fuck this that game pulled at some heartstrings there just for a little bit, but man oh man, I'm excited to see where a possible sequel goes, especially in terms of fighting gods and and things like that. So it 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 should be interesting. Be on the lookout for that. And of course, we're two weeks away from E3, so news and rumors abound. Uh, my gut has told me to ignore most rumors that are on Reddit and online nowadays because half the time they're false. I know there's a big one going around right now with with the, like the whole leaks from the conferences, and it just it doesn't make sense for a couple of reasons. And one of them says something with Destiny on the Xbox stage, and then like it leaked a conference that's not even supposed to happen, and 
games that are just like not happening at all. But but there's one game that's been getting a lot of traction in in the rumor mill, and that's the Pokemon Switch game. And right now, the big rumor that everyone's kind of sticking with is that it's going to be called Pokemon Let's Go or or something like that, and it's going to have a Pikachu and an Eevee edition, and it's supposed to be a remake of of Pokemon Yellow. And my thing is. With that Go subtitle, it's supposed to have tie-ins with Pokemon Go, which I had a lot of fun with when it first launched. I worked at Legoland at the time, and there happened to be like 50... I don't even remember what they're called anymore. It had like four gyms in the park, and like 50 of the Pokestops, I think. And it was cool to go around the park because you could get a lot of Pokemon, you could walk around the park on a lunch break and and hit all those and get all that XP. Uh, A couple times they closed it on like a Friday night, or after the park closed to the public, I should say, they would let employees come in with like family and friends. It was a unofficial thing, and uh, it wasn't really advertised or anything, but they would let us come in and, and kind of roam around the park at night and catch and stuff. It was, it was pretty fucking cool, but, you know, that game kind of tied down. I didn't have a Pokestop near my house, so I ran out of Pokeballs. I just stopped playing, and the raid bosses are just ridiculous, but that you know, I've been waiting to get a Switch mainly because, yes, I know Mario is amazing. Yes, I know Breath of the Wild is amazing. But I've been waiting to get it because of a Pokemon game that they said was coming to Switch. Pokemon's probably one of the few Nintendo games that I will play and hold on to and, and have played for on a regular basis. I mean, I got a DS just for Pokemon. But let, let's not fucking kid ourselves here, okay? No, nobody wants a, a Go mechanic on a system, on a, on a console Pokemon game, okay? We want... At least what I want, and I'm sure a lot of other people want, is like a full-on style RPG level Pokemon game that that plays exactly like the, the handheld versions, but looks and is similar to like how Zelda Breath of the Wild was, or a Bethesda game, or something similar, okay? We want like a legit Pokemon game, Pokemon console game, that plays like the handhelds, okay? What I've always said, if Nintendo was smart, they would get, uh, they would work with, have Game Freak and Nintendo and someone either have Miyamoto do it, keep it in-house, or go with a major third-party studio and have them release it on all consoles. Because that shit would break Grand Theft Auto's five sales records, if you ask me. That game would be amazing and have it so you can explore every region, every Pokemon in the game, because you know a console game can do that. You know a console game can hold that memory on that disc. Make it two discs. Hell, I don't know. But still, like, you know they could have the assets for it. If Nintendo was smart, they would do it. And it'd be amazing open world. You start in Pallet Town, obviously, like the originals. But then you can level up. And as you go to the other regions, you can, in essence, start over, I guess. But at the same time, you still have access to your more powerful Pokemon. So as you go through, you can just keep building its team of super Pokemon at all high levels. Like, that game would be fucking amazing, wouldn't it? fucking wouldn't it or even if even if you don't start over in essence but every region it still has it it's reflective of your level of pokemon so like obviously you finish kanto and your pokemon are all going to be in the 60s maybe 50s 60s and you go to johto everything obviously be hard because pokemon you've always maxed out at 100 but maybe you would in essence have to you get the new starters in every region you can level everything up but then when you face the elite four in johto you have a mix of Kanto and Johto Pokemon, and then at some point you get to Hoenn and Shino and things like that, but then you're facing off the Elite Four and your team is just all the starters from the previous generations. Like, how fucking cool would that be? You got Charizard and then a Feraligator or... No, hold on. Let me, let me, let's me let stop that. Let, let's start over. Here's, here's my super team of starters, okay? Because you only have six, right? Charizard from Gen 1. Gen 2, you would have... Meganium, 
Gen 3, you'd have Swampert, who is a undeniable, undisputable badass, okay? He's water ground type, which is pretty much undefeatable. And of all of them, I would allow him to Mega Evolve because Mega Swampert is just a hulked out bro. And like I said, is unstoppable, okay? Swampert is one of the best Pokemon game, Pokemon in the game. Hands down, fight me, fight me on it. Change my mind, like the meme. You know, I'd, I'd probably skip Gen 4, but out of Gen 5, I would probably take Embor because he just looks like a fucking killer. Dude looks like a badass. Gen 6 would definitely be Greninja, because Chestnut is the dumbest fucking thing ever. Delphox is dumb. I already, I'm over, overly... I, I got too many fires. Too many fire types, okay? But Greninja from Gen 6, because he's a badass. Probably the Ash version, because like that was a cool thing to add. And his tongue acts like a fucking scarf. That's cool. And he's a ninja. He's a goddamn ninja. Grand Ninja, Frog Ninja, that's badass. And then from Gen 7, okay, to round out the team would be Desidui, okay? Dude's fucking the Green Arrow from DC Comics, Robin Hood, and he's an owl, okay? An owl, that's an archer that can fling fucking arrows out of his wing, okay? That's badass. And he's like part ghost type, right? I'm pretty sure. And he's got an awesome Z-move or whatever. Is that what you call it? I don't, I don't remember. I haven't played them in a while. I haven't, I haven't played the Sun and Moon in a while. But yeah, no, he's, he's part ghost type, okay? That's fucking sick. That's my team right there, okay? Fight me on it if you disagree. You probably do, but whatever. That's me, okay? But, but anyway. But yeah, no, this fucking... It'd be an awesome RPG where you have a team like that. And you're facing off the final Elite Four. Or you do something like what you have at the end of Sun and Moon. Where you can kind of go to the, the battle tree. I, I think it's called. And you could fight like old gym members. And old um, old like leaders of the, the gangs in the game. Like that's cool. Right? I, I know I'm not the only person that would that would play that. I know that for a fact. I know a lot of people would buy that game. Like Nintendo give it to us. Not this stupid shit that, that that it's rumored. Like, I'm okay with, with Pikachu or Eevee being the starter, because Eevee's got a fuck ton of Eeveelutions now, okay? And hopefully they bring in a new one, especially if you're going to have Eevee as a starter. But, like, if you're going to remake Yellow, do it right. Do it fucking real. Hopefully bring Johto in. You, you got to do that. You, or at least some point down the line, there needs to be a Pokemon Switch game that's full-on, like, third-person RPG, where you can travel to every region and catch every fucking Pokemon. That that just needs to happen. It, it Stop dicking around on handheld, okay? You have a console that can actually put out HD graphics with the Switch, okay? The Wii and the Wii U were fucking jokes. Well, the Wii wasn't, but anyway. Like, it's time. It's time to do something legit with Pokemon, okay? En enough. Enough toying around. Stop playing with all of us. Fucking do it. Because you know that shit will sell. I know Nintendo's flushed with cash. I know they don't need it. But if they did this, like, it, it'd be amazing. It'd be fucking amazing. And then you could have an online component and have... I, I mean, I know they already do this with DS and you have competitive Pokemon players. But think about think about on a console level, okay? Then you could really go mainstream. You'd blow esports up like what Overwatch did. Like what, what Battle Royale's doing, okay? You would blow up the the esports circuit with with a console Pokemon game and I know Pokin 
which is like the tech and Pokemon mix, is already part of Evo. But like, can can you would 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 a, new, a Pokemon Switch or a console one with with online component would that be Evo as a fighting game? Would it be part of a normal um, esports or MLG competition? Like, there's a lot to think about there. And and Pokemon transcends the gaming world. I think I. I it bleeds over to every style of gamer because I, I, most of us, well, average age for gamer, what is 25 to 30, I think now it, it used to be a little lower, but like most of us had access to Pokemon and have had every, almost every game or access to every game. It, it's 20 years old now. That shit, like it transcends gaming. That that's like a Grand Theft Auto level where like everyone is aware of it. Everyone has probably played it or been aware of it at some point in their life. Like that's insane. But now let's kind of get down to what, what today's episode is really going to be about, and that's Star Wars. Okay, so, you know, I've, I've barely touched on it before, but I have been a Star Wars fan longer than I've been a fan of, of anything else, really. And that's in part because I have an older brother who's 11, 11 years my senior, so of course, by the time I was a young kid, I could watch it with him and 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 it's always it's always stuck with me and part of that is one of my earliest movie memories besides some other weird random things that we're not going to get into today has always been the battle of hoth from empire strikes back and and i i think that might be why it's when when i do I try to update my Star Wars rankings. I, I have since at least since The Force Awakens have come out. And I, I try to kind of base it off that. I, I always have Empire Strikes Back as, as my number one. And and with most Star Wars fans, I, I know things have kind of changed things up a bit. But with most Star Wars fans, it's, it's always an argument between Empire and Return of the Jedi. And I always have Empire as my number one. Always. Okay? And... I don't know if it's maybe because I'm an Empire guy. I've always identified more with the Empire, Darth Vader, things like that. I don't know if it's because they win in the movie or that it's just it's the most logical continuation from A New Hope or because maybe in the grand scheme of things it has the less, the least amount of edits from George post-release. And that kind of speaks to its perfection, I guess you could say. It's not a perfect movie by any means. None of the Star Wars movies are, okay? But, and and I'm saying that as as a devout fan. Devout, yes, devout fan. That they're not perfect. We we will all admit that. Real Star Wars fans will. If they don't, they're just, they have their head up their ass, okay? But, uh, you know, it, it, there's something about Empire that just, it, it's just a wonderful story, okay? You have Luke training with Yoda. Okay, first off, you get the introduction to Yoda, okay? You get a real introduction to Boba Fett. You get Lando Calrissian, who's one of the most suave, coolest cats in the galaxy, okay? And Darth Vader being a G. And there's just... I I don't know what's wrong with that movie. I don't see how people can have an issue with it. And I saw a couple of my friends on Facebook after Solo, and I'm just like... They've Return of the Jedi, excuse me, Empire Strikes Back, like, low. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with these people? What, like, what, what's going through their head that they put Empire so low on their list? 
Like people had Force Awakens above Empire. Like I, I don't I don't see the appeal of that movie. But but let, let's let's continue on. Let me let me just give you my my ranking now. Okay, we have Empire Strikes Back at number one. Um, I know I posted differently after the Last Jedi came out, but right now I have Rogue One as my number two. Okay, Rogue One is my number two, mainly because there are things, there are things in that movie that I kind of always wanted to see in a Star Wars movie. Okay, you have an, it's like a, it's an actual like war movie in the in in the scheme of of Star Wars. Yeah, I, I mean you got a lot of that in the prequels as well, but like this one, you know, yeah, that the whole thing with Scarif with the 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 shore troopers and and the, the new different walkers and the whole like. Um, battle in the sky and on top of the space battle like you have three tiers of different battles going on in that movie in the climax like that's fucking cool okay that's how like a, a war would play out in star wars like a real war here you have naval aerial and land and of course in star wars you have naval which is their space aerial and land like that's fucking amazing and then there's that scene where the hammerhead ships crash into the Star Destroyer and push it into each other. Like, yeah, I know it's a loss from the Empire, but like, oh my god. And then the whole shit with the Death Star blowing shit up. And then you have Disney and their magical wizards and the technology they use to bring uh, Tarkin back to life. Well, he's alive. It's pre-A New Hope. But Peter Cushing? Like, that looked fucking amazing. Like, I, I read the stories, and a lot of people were like, oh, Uncanny Valley, and, and uh, that I knew it was fake going in, but even when I finally saw it and saw it in the theater, I was like, holy shit, that looks fucking real. Okay, and now, for my number three, I know this will probably upset some of you, I have The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi, I thought was amazing, and... You know, my, my one friend's pissed over it because it kind of just wipes away The Force Awakens. I, I don't believe that in, in any way. And, you know, I, I was upset when they booted the old EU. We'll, we'll get into that, on, into that a little bit later. But, you know, I was upset when they booted the old EU, uh, Expanded Universe. But I, I like what, what they set up with The Last Jedi. And, and that fucking hyperspace scene. You know, people poke holes in the, the plot of The Last Jedi, but they, they all make sense logically, from a logical standpoint. Of course you're not going to tell Poe Dameron the plan. He just got a bunch of people killed and he was demoted. He doesn't need to know the plan. Only the general needs to know the plan. There's there, Or the admiral, Admiral Holdo. There's no fucking reason he should be told anything. And then for him to lead a mutiny? He's already distrustful. Of course you're not going to fucking tell him the plan. And then, you know, all the ships and they're just running... They're like, oh, how come the First Order can't catch up to them, blah, blah, blah. The First Order had way bigger ships, okay? Of course they're going to move a little bit slower in sublight speed than the, the Resistance ships. Of course it's just going to be a little bit faster. It's like a slow speed chase, essentially. It's like OJ in the 90s. But, and then people are like, oh, blah, blah, blah. How come they needed a whole crew and then she just does it by herself? She does it by herself because I, I know it's in the book and it, not everyone reads those, but it's like, they found a way to automate most of the systems on a ship. She sacrificed herself so that the little ships could get away and call for help. They weren't supposed to be found out by the Empire. The plan wasn't supposed to be figured out. More people were supposed to live because no one was supposed to know. Okay. And then you get an expansion of, of Kylo and Rey's story. Kylo and Rey are probably the two best things to come out of The Force Awakens, in my opinion. 
And then, uh, granted, unfortunately, we don't get a huge, nice new Jedi Order with Luke like we did in the old EU, which was good. The here, here's where I'll go with the lows were low and the highs were high. That's that's definitely something I'll say about the old EU. The lows were very low and the highs were very high, and you had some in between, but it was plagued by bullshit a lot of the times. And that that was unfortunate, and I, that's part of the reason Disney booted it. I'm happy they're they bring in they've been bringing in some of the old stuff in, but you know that that's why Last Jedi is my number three. After that, uh, another thing that might upset some people is I've Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith is an amazing movie, okay, especially in terms of Star Wars. It's the best prequel, hands down. Everyone will admit that. If you haven't watched it in a long time, I I urge you to go back. It's the one that holds up the most of the prequels, and you know, it's a it's a conclusion of a story that we kind of knew. The prequels were a story we kind of knew, right? And, you know, Revenge of the Sith is great because, you know, we, we lose the whiny Vader. We learn about Obi-Wan. Our Obi-Wan story kind of ends. Yeah, it ends in A New Hope, but it really ends in, in Revenge of the Sith. And, and Ewan McGregor is great as Obi-Wan. And, and we're going to build on that in a little bit as well. But, you know, Revenge of the Sith, it's the end of the Jedi Order, who, uh, this kind of ties in with, with The Last Jedi, but the, the Jedi Order was kind of fucked up and kind of naive and kind of stupid, and they kind of needed to end, you know? And, and they, they meet their end in Revenge of the Sith. But the things with the Emperor are great. That fight with Yoda and the Emperor is, a, is awesome. Okay, yeah, you can hate on the prequels for other stuff, but they give you—they gave us really great fucking lightsaber fights. That Kylo and Rey's fight with the uh, Snoke's guards can really only top, right? That—that that was a fucking amazing thing too, and that's part of the reason I like—I like the Last Jedi. After Revenge of the Sith, you have Return of the Jedi, which, if if anyone didn't expect the prequels then they must not have seen Return of the Jedi because you get hints of that with the whole Ewok situation. Like, that that was writing on the wall, I think, for the prequels. And and people need to kind of wake up and, and realize that. Um, but you finally get the real Emperor. You get Darth Vader kind of changing sides, and it's unfortunate that he kind of goes back to the light. But no, you, you need a good redemption story. And you get some cool stuff with Jabba the Hutt. Uh, unfortunately, Boba seems like a chump in that movie. Boba Fett, that is. Um, but, you know, that that's really... That's why it's kind of lower. After that, I have Solo. Solo, I thought, was an okay movie. And I'll, I'll leave my whole review for Solo at the tail end, just so I can kind of talk about spoilers. So if we you, you can just kind of end the podcast there and not have to listen to the spoilers. So we'll, we'll do that. But I don't, I don't know. It was just okay for me. And, and I think the main reason is I've never really connected with Han Solo as a character like other people have. And other people hold him as their favorite character and, you know, Darth Vader's mine. So I I guess that's why I thought it was an okay movie. And it's, it's unfortunate that it didn't do too hot this weekend. And I, I hope that doesn't affect other uh, Star Wars stories down the line as what they're calling them. Um, then I have The Force Awakens kind of rounding up out the bottom four. You know, I didn't like The Force Awakens. Yeah, it has cool stuff in it. You know, it gave us Kylo, it gave us Rey, some other things. I mean, Maz is okay. But, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about Poe or Finn, who 
the greatest love story in Star Wars. Forget Han and Leia. It's totally Poe and Finn. I don't ship them too, but I could see it working. I mean, they're definitely like the bestest of friends, despite only spending a total of 24 hours with each other, maybe. But like, it, it just, it, it was, it was a new hope all over again with some new stuff on it. The story was the same. You know, I had high hopes for J.J., and I, I liked J.J.'s Star Treks. And he's like, you know, I was never a Star Trek fan. I was always a, a Star Wars fan. And then and then he comes out with that, and I'm, I'm just like, come on, J.J. Like, were you playing it safe for Disney? Did they want you to play it safe? Like, come on. Like, this is fucking bullshit, okay? Disney knew what they were buying. They didn't have to do that. They did not have to do that. Yes, maybe, okay, they throughout George's story, I'm, I'm a little okay with that, but just a new hope all over again, for the most part, and then Han, like, I know I said Han, I've never really connected with Han, but to fucking kill him off, I'm sure that was more Harrison's doing than anything, he hates Star Wars, which is weird, it, but it's like, I'm sure he only signed on, it's like, I, I do this, and you, you give me Indy 5, which I'm, I'm happy for, okay, I do like, I, I like Indiana Jones, and we'll do another podcast when we get closer to Indy 5 on that. But yeah, The Force Awakens just didn't do anything for me. Like, at all. And then, after that, I have a new hope. And people are like, oh, you can't have Star Wars without a new hope. How come it's so low on your list? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'll admit it. We all should. George Lucas isn't the greatest of filmmakers. Okay? N- a New Hope has a lot of flaws. But what it did for the industry... It's, it, it What it did for the industry... Yes, it gave us Star Wars. But without that, you you also wouldn't have Empire Strikes Back, which is amazing. I get that, but Empire is still so much better. There's there are other Star Wars movies I listed are better than than A New Hope. You can tell that it was kind of rushed. It was a, it's a successful B movie. Let let's be honest with ourselves here. It's a B movie that became a blockbuster hit and became a triple A franchise, and now it's one of the most successful franchises on the planet. Okay, um, Phantom Menace. I'll put second to last. Uh, yes, it's the first of the prequels. There's things that work. Hey, it gave us Darth Maul, one of the best Star Wars villains. Okay, that pod racing scene holds up very well still. Very well. But there's just there's just things in that movie that don't make sense. It's just... And midi-chlorians. Uh, don't even get me started. Okay. Don't, don't even get me started. But... I mean, it's mostly the it's mostly Darth Maul and the pod race scene that hold that movie higher than Attack of the Clones. Yes, the Yoda fight with Count Dooku is amazing. Yes, we have a cool Obi-Wan and Anakin dynamic. Yes, the whole Geonosis scene. Unfortunately, they do not hold up. Somehow, of all the prequels, Attack of the Clones does not hold up well at all. And that movie, it, it's not even 20 years old yet. Hell, we're still a year away from the 20th anniversary of A Phantom Menace. And somehow Attack of the Clones holds up the least. And that shitty love story. I mean, I get it. We need it for Luke and Leia to exist. But, like, it's so goddamn contrived. And I don't know what George was thinking, man. And and I'll be the first to admit, I'm a George George Lucas apologist. Okay? I have very few issues with the re-edits. Because that's what George always wanted. Okay, they're not our movies, despite what other people say. They're not our movies because they were released to the public. They are still George's movies, or they were. I mean, yes, now they're Disney's, but they were George's movies, okay? He owned them. He put things in there 
that he wanted to do in the 70s and 80s that he couldn't. Okay, I won't forgive him on adding the the childlike no scream at the end of Jedi. Okay, that that's fucking bullshit. That that's just stupid. Okay, the Han shot first thing is dumb, and and that's or sorry, changing it from Han shot first and them shooting at the same time. That that kind of goes into my meh reaction to Solo. Like, like we're living in this revisionist history of Han Solo where he's somewhat altruistic. He's not the, he is a scoundrel, but he's, he's good at heart. Like, fuck no. He was, he was basically a mercenary in A New Hope, okay? Yes, he did good things. Yes, he came around. But this, this revisionist altruistic, like, I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's dumb. They didn't want him to shoot first. And then they, they kind of make a point of that in Solo. But let's hold off. Let's 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 talk a little bit more about my Star Wars history. So as I said, you know, I, I watched it young because I have an older brother. Um, then I kind of was in this like mini Star Wars club in middle school with a couple buddies. We would read like the books with the script at the end. It was the art books that would have them. Uh, he was just messing around. Uh, I went to the first time I went to a Star Wars celebration was in 2007 when it was in LA, and that was pretty fucking cool. Got to see a lot of cool stuff. So that was post Episode Three, pre the Clone Wars movie, the animated Clone Wars movie. I don't count that on the, on my list because I don't really count that. Uh, that's just part of the show, in my opinion. Um, out of all my collectibles, I have more Star Wars collectibles than anything, like the Hot Toys. I have a lot. Uh, most of my Lego are our Ultimate Collector Series Star Wars sets. I have a TIE Advanced. I have Slave One, which is one of the coolest fucking sets ever. I have a, a Lombada shuttle. Am I saying, I'm probably saying that wrong, and, and I'm the Star Wars fan. Uh, I have a lot of uh, different gentle giant um, figures and uh, busts, I should say. They're the busts. I have Darth Vader, Commander Gree, Grand Animal Thrawn, who, uh, when I was in high school, I, I read the Thrawn books, the original Thrawn books by Timothy Zahn, and Grand Admiral Thrawn, to me, is the Probably my second favorite Star Wars character behind Darth Vader, only because we didn't get to see him on any form of screen until the third season of Rebels, which I thought was tastefully done. Um, I was livid about the series finale of Rebels because I thought they had killed Thrawn. Spoiler alert. I thought they had killed Thrawn, and I was like, how can you fucking bring one of the greatest Star Wars characters of all time, have him fucking disappear when... The whole reason people loved him was what he did post-Return of the Jedi in the old canon. This dude was a tactical genius, okay? And he was able to bring the Empire back from the brink. And then you have a a throwaway mention to to Captain Paleon at the time. But still, people loved Thrawn for what he did post the Emperor's death. And then in, in Rebels, you have him fucking disappear before A New Hope even happens. Like, yeah, I know they're saving him and, and Ezra for the future, but, like, what the fuck, dude? You're going to kill off one of people's most favorite Star Wars characters outside of the movie characters? Not kill off, but have him fucking disappear into a blaze of glory with some fucking space whales? You you don't understand. I was seething that night when they did that. I was livid, okay? I was so fucking mad and especially with the 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 rebooted Thrawn book that came out last year which was so good I'm happy they got Timothy's on back and then they're coming out with another one this year with him and Vader but they're gonna have him fucking disappear in Rebels like what the fuck seriously I like there's one thing I get very mad about with Star Wars and that's it very few things before that let's just walk away from that for now you know I have a Star Wars tattoo it's the Imperial logo Imperial cog however you want to call it so you can see Star Wars is a big part of my life, and I went to Celebration Anaheim, I guess it was called. It was post-Disney buyout. 
I got a tease at uh, Force Awakens, and then there was a teaser for Rogue One, and that and I, and it was pitched by John Knoll, who works at ILM, who created Photoshop. Like that's this dude, and he pitches like a Saving Private Ryan type movie, and then you have Gareth Edwards, who had just come off of, of Godzilla, which I thought was great, and then you have. Uh, you have John Knoll talking about this movie that's supposed to be like Saving Private Ryan, but in Star Wars to steal the Death Star plants. I was sold from then. Like, I didn't need anything else. That's why Rogue One is just, it, it stuck with me from then on. It was still like a year or two out, and I was just like, fuck yeah, I'm in. And, you know, I, I have a, a shelf full of Star Wars books. Most of them are from the old EU. Uh, a lot of the comics are, but I do like what they've done with the new Marvel Darth Vader comics. Those are amazing. Uh, as I said, the new Thrawn book is great. I'm excited for where that goes. Clone Wars was a great TV show towards the end. The beginning was kind of childish like the movie, but as it went on, it went great. And Rebels, I kind of hate-watched for a while until Thrawn came in. But, you know, I've said my piece about that. But I'm kind of hoping we don't get Star Wars fatigue with all the movies Disney has announced. I'm excited for the Ryan Johnson trilogy that's coming. He directed The Last Jedi. I know a lot of people don't like it, but whatever and uh, i'm excited for the trilogy that they're giving him that's going to be completely separate no jedi things like that i'm excited for that um and the guys that created game of thrones are making a star wars movie that's going to be fucking amazing i look at what they did with game of thrones so i'm stoked john favreau is directing a live action star wars tv show that should be fucking amazing too john favreau is one of my favorite directors he gave us iron man one and two the jungle book he's doing a lion king should be fucking epic um I know they're both kind of not officially announced, but we kind of know they're happening is the Obi-Wan movie, a Star Wars story for Obi-Wan. And Ewan McGregor has expressed in the past that he'd love to come back as Obi-Wan, so that's going to be fucking cool. I hope they do it in the desert, and I hope they kind of base it around that Kenobi book by John Jackson Miller, which is amazing. It's kind of like a Clint Eastwood, man-with-no-name type western story, but with Obi-Wan on the Tatooine Desert, which is fucking amazing, because, yes, Star Wars has always been described as, like, a space western, but it'd be sick to get, like, a real western. And then we got this weekend that James Mangold is going to be in talks to write and direct a Boba Fett movie. I know we were supposed to get Boba Fett, but they fired the director, Josh Trank, who made that trash Fantastic Four movie a couple years ago. And, you know, I'm, I'm holding out hope. I know this would probably never happen, but if any Star Wars movie would benefit from being rated R, it would be a Boba Fett movie. And with James Mangold at the helm, who directed Logan. Oh, that's a recipe for amazing. Boba Fett is one of the fandom's most favorite characters. Granted, he survived in the old canon. He escaped the Sarlacc pet from after Return of the Jedi. We haven't gotten confirmation of his survival uh, in the new Disney canon. But I, I think he is alive. Um, there's offhand reference to his armor or similar armor in one of the aftermath books i think so i'm excited that that hasn't been officially announced but it, it's kind of a given they were all reporting it at this point hopefully solo's uh low debut this weekend um i think it's going to crack 100 million after the holiday because it is a four-day weekend so that might help it but as of right now from what i was looking at it's one of the lowest rated scores for a star wars movie um as of recording, 61 audience on Rotten and 70% critic. And I, I, I'm going to have to agree with that 70. I, I put it at a 7, 7 out of 10. Solo was an okay movie for me. Like I said before, I've, I've never really connected with Han Solo on a level of other people. He just, it, he's never been a draw for me. Um, the movie was okay though, because as a Star Wars movie, it, it's fine. There's things in it that are really cool. 
really fucking cool. And and that's why I want to talk about spoilers because we'll we'll get to that at the end. But Alden Aaron Rick Aaron Reich, I I don't know how to fucking say his name. It's a weird name to me at least. But he does okay as as Han. He kind of he doesn't give off the swagger that Harrison Ford did because he, he's not the same person. He didn't have the same life experiences. He didn't have George to d- direct him the whole time. And, you know, Donald Glover's amazing as Lando. Like, amazing. Uh, Chewie was cool. Woody Harrelson's character, Tobias Beckett, great dude. Great character, too. Like, Woody pulled that off perfectly. That's just a Woody Harrelson character. I mean, that's kind of all he plays now at this point. And Amelia Clark was, was cool as Kira. And, and I don't know, I didn't care that much for her. But the, the, the standout to me was Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss, kind of the, the gang leader in the movie. And I know he was added later after Ron Howard took over. Because, um, I mean, we all know at this point that Phil Lord and Chris Miller were supposed to, was started making the movie and they were fired for unknown reasons. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to see what their version would have been. I think it would have been more comedic, which I... Honestly, I don't think it would have worked in the end. Ron Howard taking over was fine. But Paul Bettany is Dryden Voss, which was originally played by Michael K. White. I think I think that's his name. Um, he played, he was in Boardwalk Empire and, and The Wire, things like that. But uh, he couldn't finish reshoot, reshoots for time reasons. But Paul Bettany came in, replaced him, and fuck, dude. He was probably the best character in that movie. Like, hands down. And he doesn't even have that much screen time. But it's like, he's like Jabba the Hutt level, like power and influence. And he has this fucking amazing star yacht. But shit, dude, that dude, Paul Bettany stole the movie for me. Was not expecting that. The other cool things about Solo are, there are a shit ton of references to old Star Wars games, old Star Wars comics, and old, uh, and the prequels. There's a Colo Clawfish reference, which is one of the fish that Obi-Wan, Jar Jar, and Qui-Gon encounter while they're driving through Naboo. There's a reference of to Masters of Terra Kazi, which is a really shitty Star Wars game from the 90s. It was a fighting game, if you, you might remember. Uh, they off-handed ha- off mention of Bosk, the Trandosian bounty hunter. Uh, you might remember him from Empire Strikes Back. He's the lizard guy with the yellow flight suit. Uh, it's mentioned that Tobias Beckett killed Aura Singh, who was a bounty hunter that was first shown in The Phantom Menace. She's the white chick with the red hair do watch in the pod race. And then she had a a couple arcs in Clone Wars as one of the bounty hunters with, like, Cad Bane and stuff. And uh, there's a mention to the the Tan sisters, I think? The Zan sisters? They're from an old Star Wars comic, and they have to deal with Tara Kazi as well. Uh, Tara's Kazi, sorry, excuse me. And then... A lot of offhand mentions mentions to Jabba. A lot of connections to the Clone Wars. Uh, it shows the Pikes on screen. They were a crime syndicate alien race from the Clone Wars show. Uh, they run Kessel. Yes, we get the Kessel run. And we finally see how it's uh, 12 parsecs, which we all know in reality is a distance and not time. And that was never really clarified in, in the old movies. But yes, it is. Uh, it's clarified in now. So that that's not really a spoiler, really. Um, none, none of the things I said. Those are just offhand references, mentions, and kind of a scene. Um, but obviously with Kessel, you also have the Maw, which is making a comeback from, from the old EU. So they kind of change it up a bit. Um, it's not, uh, Kessel's not an asteroid like it used to be. The Maw isn't a bunch of black holes clustered around each other, but now it's just a gravity well. Uh, there's some fucking cool stuff with Imperial 
in regards to like imperial things in the beginning of the movie. Uh, they're on the planet Mimban, and Han is a as a mud trooper, which is a really fucking cool new trooper variant. That's kind of where he meets some certain characters. Not going to get into that, but uh, like an ATST gets fucking airdropped in. That's fucking sick. Like that was fucking cool. No one ever thought that happened. I mean, it, it's almost similar to how the the gunships would drop in the ATTE in in Attack of the Clones, but it's like that. That's cool, and it's like they kind of do this this they do this pull out shot of the planet, and it shows like just a whole fucking war zone, and it's all trench warfare because it's like a mud planet. That's badass. We never got that before in a Star Wars movie. You finally get the like somehow it's taken forty plus years to get like real war time scenes in a star wars movie yeah we've had the space battles but like this is like legit but my my biggest issues with it are they 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 fall into this this revisionist history of han where they make him more altruistic oh you've always been good han you've always been the good guy and blah 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 bullshit cry me a river it's like no han was a fucking scoundrel he fucking shot greedo first because he didn't want to he was always looking out for numero uno okay himself han has always been somewhat of a a selfish guy at least in a new hope he's portrayed that way and granted solo takes place about 10 years before a new hope based off uh chewy's age and things like that but what what's going to happen in these 10 years in between that cause him to get to that level from where he's at now and yes, I they, they kind of sow the seeds for that in, in Solo, but at the same time, it's like, no, uh-uh, this is bullshit. I, I'm not going to believe this. And and they kind of change how Corellia was from the old EU and, and things like that. But And then they, they, they f- somehow still find a way to force rebellion and anti-imperial bullshit into this movie. And, and they turn like a really cool character... And their stuff into this movement of of goodness and for the good of the people and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, that's not what this movie should have been about. This movie should have been like somewhat Ocean's Eleven. More Ocean's Eleven, less Fast and the Furious in terms of stealing. Okay, not not to not to help the galaxy at large or the people like like Fast and the Furious, but to like. Look out for themselves. Make money for themselves. Do you like? Do you get that? That that's what I'm trying to say. It's like this isn't. Yes, I know it's Star Wars, and yes, they need to find a way to connect it somehow. But I I just it's fucking stupid. But now let me talk about. Let me talk about the spoiler at the end. So if if you guys don't want to listen past this, if you haven't seen the movie yet, you can turn off the podcast now. You know, thanks for listening. Um. I know this week was really long in terms of an episode length, but wanted to talk about Star Wars and some other things. But now's the time to click off if you don't want to hear the spoiler. So let's set the scene. Han and Chewie have just killed Beckett on the surface of the planet, uh, taking the, the items they've stolen of the heist. It's a, some, some sort of fuel, hyperfuel, the MacGuffin of the movie, if you will. Han has shot t- Tobias first, essentially killed him. You know, Han shot first. But uh, we, we go back to the star yacht that Dryden Voss hold, held. Uh, that's Paul Bettany's character. Kira killed him to let Han go free. And Kira kind of tells Han, hey, go go on, I'll meet up with you. But she doesn't. She closes all the uh, windows, I guess. I, I don't know how to fucking describe that in, in Star Wars. And uh, they're part of a gang called the Crimson Dawn. And she calls the leader... Of, of the cartel, essentially. It wasn't Dryden Voss, like we were all led to believe. Uh, she was 
Kira, Amelia Clark's character, was second in command to Dryden Voss. She calls his boss, and they it's a hologram of a character sitting down. And at first you see a robotic leg, so I was like, oh, wonder who this could be. And then I'm listening, and I hear a familiar voice. And if you've watched The Clone Wars and Rebels like I have, you'll you'll recognize Sam Witwer's voice. Uh, he was also Starkiller in the Force Unleashed games, so, so there's that. But you hear Sam Witwer's voice, and you go, huh, I know that voice. Robotic leg, that can't be who I think it is. No. And then my jaw hit the floor. The hooded figure in the hologram takes off his hood, and it's Darth fucking Maul, okay? Darth fucking Maul. Or as he goes by now, Maul, all right? They got Ray Park back to be the body. Sam Witwer to do the voice, because he voiced Maul on Rebels and in Clone Wars. And oh my fucking God, okay? That's what made Solo a meh movie, like a 5 out of 10 for me, to a 7 out of 10. On top of the references, that fucking scene with Maul, Okay, totally un-fucking-expected. How the hell did they keep that a secret? And that was the plan all along, according to the Kazdans who wrote who wrote the movie. They also wrote Empire, things like that. The whole plan was to have Maul as the leader of the Crimson Dawn. And then he tells Kira, meet me on fucking Dathomir so we can discuss this. And then, then he holds up a fucking lightsaber that, if you've seen Rebels, is the, the lightsaber. He is an Inquisitor's lightsaber, and he fights Obi-Wan with when he dies. Like... I don't know if this is a setup for another Han movie because Alden is signed is contracted for three movies as Han. I don't know if this is a setup for the Boba Fett movie because obviously Boba Fett works with with criminal enterprises as a bounty hunter, especially if he's the galaxy's best. Is this a setup for the Obi-Wan movie? Like, holy fucking shit. Maul. Darth fucking Maul shows up at the tail end of this movie. I'm sure most casual fans are like, what the fuck? He's alive? I thought he died. Most of them haven't seen Clone Wars or Rebels, so they don't know he's been kicking around the galaxy for a long time, being a, been a major player. But oh my fucking god, I am so happy that he comes back on, on, on a large screen. Because yes, on the small screen it was great, but the fact that they brought him back for more movies gets me so fucking hyped. You do not understand. You know, granted we all probably wished it was Thrawn or someone else, and I'm, I'm sure Thrawn will get his due on a screen soon. And, 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 but Maul, oh my God, Maul. And you know, it, it kind of got me thinking too about just things and, and where, where it's going to go with episode nine, but man, all right, I'll, I'll leave it on that. And, and if you listen past the spoiler, Hey, that's you do you. Okay. I like spoilers too. doesn't change how I feel because how I read things and imagine things aren't the same as how they turn out on screen. So I get it, but I'm sure most of you clicked away already, but if you stayed, like I always say, you do you fuck what everybody else thinks. Thanks for listening to Nick's nerd news. And remember to follow us on Twitter at Nick's nerd news on Instagram, nicks.nerd.news. Subscribe and follow us on iTunes at potomatic.com. I'll have an announcement on Spotify soon and hopefully for Google Play as well. Thanks again. See you next week.